Well, it's a new year, first Sunday in the new year. So we're beginning a new series of messages. This time we're going to go into the Old Testament book of Genesis. We're going to do a study of Joseph. God planned it for good. You know, that's exactly what God wants to do with all of the events, difficulties and tragedies in our life. He wants to use them for our good and for his glory. Joseph was loved and hated. He was favored and abused, tempted and trusted, exalted and abased. Yet at no point in the 110 years of his life did he ever seem to get his eyes off God and cease to trust him. 110 years old. Adversity did not harden his character and prosperity did not ruin him like it ruins a lot of people. He was the same in private as he was in public. He was truly a great man. And it would, it's good for us to study his life, to learn from him. Best of all, Joseph really is a remarkably powerful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to see portraits of Christ in probably about every week as we looked at the life of Joseph. So as we examine Joseph today, we're going to discover that he had what we call today a dysfunctional family. Anybody know what that's like? Maybe you've been a part of one of those dysfunctional families. It's just like when all communication breaks down and no longer functions properly as a family. For example, Joseph's father tried to trick his father, Isaac, into believing that he was Esau. Remember that? Uh, He made him some lentil stew and he put goat's hair on his arms to, to pretend that he was Esau, his brother. Well, that didn't work out too well. Even though he got blessed, uh, his brother tried to kill him and chased him all around. And Jacob finally found a a place of refuge away from uh, his brother Esau with his mother's relatives and his uncle Laban who cheated him, his uncle, and treated him like a slave. So Jacob ended up marrying his two cousins, Rachel and Leah, and took two more concubines, legal mistresses at the time. There was constant competition and conflict among the children, all the mothers, deceit, jealousy, and infighting. The oldest son of Jacob was Reuben, And he had sex with his father's concubine. It was one big, messed up, dysfunctional family. And God picked out a person in all of that, and his name was Joseph. And I'd like to start our series by looking at Joseph's family problems. Genesis 37, 1 through 11. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger... In the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I've dreamed. There we were 
binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream. You'd think that he would learn his lesson, but then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I've dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied them. But his father kept the matter in mind. Wow. Joseph had family trouble. Let's look at his family troubles and notice what the first thing that we notice is not in this passage, but two chapters earlier was the death of his mother. Verses 16 to 20 of chapter 35. She died when she was giving birth to Joseph's little brother, Benjamin. And Bilhah and Zilpah was more or less the ones that took care of Joseph after Rachel uh, they were his two, her two handmaids. Rachel was gone. And, you know, I found that early trauma can affect us greatly. Some Bible scholars believe that Joseph was probably no, no older than eight years old when his mom died. And, of course, uh, his mom loved him dearly. And when your mother is gone, when you're that young, it's hard to lose our mothers at any age. But when you're that young, it, it, it affects us trauma into our heart. So he's raised by his two stepmothers, you might say, um, the two handmaids. And, you know, I put on the outline, Joseph's godly must, godliness must have come from his mother. Uh, I did that uh, early and then I studied some more. And I thought, you know, Rachel, she really wasn't that godly. Because if you remember, she uh, escaped from Laban, her, her father, and stole some of the idols from her father and hid them in her saddlebag and complained, well, I can't get off my horse because I'm having my cycle. And uh, she lied there and she really wasn't that godly of a person. So where in the world did Joseph get his godliness? You know, in all this dysfunctional family. With all of his brothers and his mother and all of the people involved in bad uh, life and poor choices and mistakes, I believe God reached down his hand and says, Joseph, I'm going to use you in a great way. You know, I think that God does that. God sometimes reaches down in an unsaved family, a family that doesn't love God. Maybe there's drugs, maybe there's theft, maybe there's uh, no religion at all. And God in his grace saves people through his own sovereign choice. And Joseph was the one that was picked out by the Lord because the Lord was going to use him in a great way in the future. But even though his mother was gone, there's another problem in the family. Joseph was the favored son of his father. His favorite, Joseph, uh, Jacob's favorite wife was Rachel. You remember the story of Jacob and Rachel way back in Genesis 29, verse 18. Jacob loved Rachel. 
So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. He asked this of his uncle Laban. He was going to marry his, uh, this beautiful uh, Rachel. And then, of course, after the seven years of toil and labor and, and God's blessing on, on the fruit of his efforts in the, in the flocks, um, they came to the wedding tent at night and he uh, lifted the veil from her face and found out that this was not the one that I worked for. This is not Rachel. It's her sister, her older sister, Leah. And he ended up marrying her, trick, tricked into marrying her. And so he worked another seven years and then another seven years. And so we see that his favorite wife really was Rachel. And you know that that's going to work out really well, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know if you've ever watched any of those episodes of Sister Wives on television. Now, this is not a Mormon family, but it's, it's the same scenario uh, and, and the conflict that must have been great there. But not only was Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel, his favorite son was Joseph. Now, Jacob might have reasoned, well, Rachel was the one that I wanted in the beginning, so uh, I'm going to have her son, her oldest son, be the one that gets the inheritance. So I, I have to, uh, the right to treat my firstborn, my, my favorite son. So Reuben really was his firstborn son and should have inherited that right according to the tradition. Jacob should have remembered that parental favoritism divides a family because it happened to him with Esau and Jacob, his father, uh, Isaac loved Esau more, and his mother, Rebekah, loved him more. And that caused a conflict, and it always causes conflict. I know, uh, the day after Christmas, Tommy Smothers died. Anybody remember the Smothers Brothers on television, that, that show? It was a fun, refreshing type of a show. Smothers Brothers, their trademark was singing folk songs with Tommy on the guitar and Dick on the bass. Usually these songs, after they would sing a little bit, would devolve into an argument between the two brothers. Especially because Tommy was a bit slower, at least he pretended to be a bit slower. And Dick was the straight guy. He, was, he thought of himself as superior. And as you can imagine, hilarity ensued. Whenever they would argue, Tommy would always divert to the line, Mom always liked you best. It was a joke. But with Joseph and Jacob, it was no joke. <laughs> he loved Joseph more. And it caused so much turmoil in the family. And it even to add fuel to the fire, he made Joseph a coat of many colors, as you notice in there. It... Um, Jacob's favoritism of Joseph was plain to everyone and even to Joseph. And it was even made more so when he made him, had made, maybe one of the wives uh, sewed it up, uh, a special coat, a tunic. And the, the, it was made of many colors, but this coat indicated a position of favor, of princely standing and birthright. It was a dramatic way of saying he was the son who was going to receive the first of the birthright. According to Bible scholar James Montgomery Boyce, the real idea behind the ancient Hebrew phrase, 
tunic of many colors. Is that was a tunic extending all the way down to the wrists and all the way down to the ankles as opposed to a shorter one that would you would use to work in. This was not what the working man wore, this tunic of many colors. It was a garment of privilege and status. The man who wore a tunic of many colors, they stood by and watched everybody else work. (laughs) That's what this was for. It was a rich garment of a ruler and not what the well-dressed shepherd needed out out in the fields. Can you imagine when... Joseph wore this tunic and he would walk towards his brothers. Imagine the hatred. I mean, they hated him because they knew that dad liked him best. And they hated him even more when he wore this tunic of many colors and they came to him. I don't know if you've ever seen that kind of favoritism in a family, but it doesn't do the family good. Well, let's look at another family problem in here. And this comes from the dreams that he had These dreams came from God, verses 5 through 9. Let me read Genesis 37, starting at verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf, probably a sheaf of wheat, rose and stood upright And indeed, your sheaves also stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed, to me, bowed down to me. So he told his father and his brothers. And they said to him, what is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed bow down to the earth before you? The brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, you've got to remember, um, first of all, that dreams were given by God here in the Old Testament. This was this is not because you ate the wrong kind of food or something like that. And you, you had the different dreams. And I don't want to hear your dreams or anything like that, please, because I don't interpret dreams. But here, sometimes dreams were from God. And this was the, the obvious prophetic significance of these dreams. Now, God confirmed Jacob's choice of his faithful son by two dreams, remember? Normally, it would go to Reuben. But sometimes God overruled that firstborn with choosing someone else like David, you know, wasn't the firstborn son in his family either. And he was chosen and anointed by God to be the second king of Israel. Anyway, this is a prophetic significance because when they dreamed about the sheaves, remember this was sheaves of wheat. Later on, there was going to be these brothers are going to come to Egypt later on in the book of Genesis, and they're going to bow before the prince of Egypt, asking for grain, wheat. And they will bow before Joseph, their brothers. And later on, when Jacob finally came to Egypt, he also bowed before his son. So there's a prophetic significance in this. Now, you ask yourself the question, should Joseph have kept his mouth shut? 
you know, is this some kind of uh, adolescent immaturity? These two dreams couldn't help but irritate the family and make things far worse. But this dream was from God, and he was just revealing what God had revealed to him. Now, God did reveal his revelation through dreams in the Old Testament. And it seems like in the New Testament, Joseph, husband of Mary, had a dream, and that was from God. But after that, there's no dreams recorded in the New Testament because God was completing his New Testament revelation through the Word. We don't need dreams where God's Word is, the, then God reveals himself through the Word. But I see also from these dreams... Not only God showing a revealing prophecy, but early signs of future greatness. Because later on in the future, Joseph would be able to interpret the dreams of the butler and the baker and give them the truth of what those. And then later on, the dream of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's two dreams. Remember the fat cows and skinny cows? That sounds like an ice cream sandwich to me anyway. Maybe, maybe something like that. But anyway, that's what I think about when I say those words. Anyway, remember, we'll get to that later on in the message. But it showed that he was going to continue to be great and used by the Lord. And I think these dreams also showed something else. His closeness to God. God could trust Joseph. And God drew near to Joseph. You know, God doesn't have favorites. We're all his children. But he does have intimates. Those who choose to draw closer to the Father, they're going to know more about him. They're going to find his sweetness and closeness in that. Well, Joseph was favored by his father, but hated by his brothers. Let's look at that now. There's uh, three things that I want to point out to you about their hatred and where it came from. First of all, it came from jealousy and bitter envy. Envy is a form of of covetousness. Envy is desiring another person's traits, status, abilities, or rewards for yourself. But it also takes it one step forward. If I can't have what he has, I don't want him to have it either. And that's what these brothers did. I don't know if you remember hearing in the news many years ago in 1991, there was a lady by the name of Wanda Holloway. And she was the mother of a 14-year-old Texas cheerleader. Wanda Holloway's daughter tried out for a spot on her junior high cheerleading squad, but she lost out to another girl. Wanda was so livid that someone else should have the spot that she thought her daughter deserved. She was much better and the other person's not as good as my daughter. She was envious of that other girl's cheerleading position, so she decided to do something about it. She contacted her ex-brother-in-law and asked him, Could you hire a hitman to kill the other girl's mother? Wanda thought that the girl would be so upset at the death of her mother, she would quit the cheerleading team and the spot would automatically go to her daughter. Thankfully, this is a true story. Thankfully, the ex-brother-in-law went to the police. Wanda was arrested, ended up serving 10 years in prison for conspiracy 
to murder all because of envy. Envy. I want that. And if I can't have it, you can't have it either. And that's what these brothers were. They were envious of Joseph and his position. They were, en- they were envious of, of how the father treated them. And they just could not stand it. Second thing that caused the hatred was tattling. That's what the brothers thought. You're telling on us. I don't know if you ever did that to your brother, your sister, uh, or whatever. That probably is prevalent over all families. Mom, do you know what little brother did? He's doing this. He's marking on the walls. He's, you know, and of course you get mad at the, the one who revealed the truth. It wasn't easy for Joseph to work alongside his half brothers because their way of life was different from his Were the boys robbing their father? We don't know what they were doing. Were they getting too involved with the ways of the people of the land? Um, Whatever their sin was, Joseph felt that dad needed to know. So he went and he told on his... uh, Maybe uh, Jacob asked Joseph to... Hey, what were the brothers doing today? Well, I don't want to lie, so here's the truth. They certainly wasn't going to lie to his father when Jacob talked to his sons about their behavior. The men immediately knew who the informant was. Now, we don't know what the substance of the report was, um, but doing this is never popular. But it shows that Joseph was a faithful servant. His brothers hated him for revealing the truth. Adrian Rogers once said, It's better to be divided by truth than to be united in error. It's better to speak the truth that hurts and then heals than falsehood that comforts and then kills. It's not love and it's not friendship if we fail to declare the whole counsel of God. It's better to be hated for telling the truth than to be loved for telling a lie. It's impossible to find anyone in the Bible who was a power for God, who did not have enemies and was not hated because they told the truth. It's better to stand alone. Their hatred came from bitter envy. It came because they were exposed. Joseph was exposing their sin. But the hatred also came because of the dreams. The dreams brought out more hatred in the family relationship. Joseph had a dysfunctional family and it caused so much the envy, the envy these brothers had. I recently heard a story by the name, uh, a guy, a preacher named Clovis Chapel. He was a minister from a century back and he used to tell the story about two paddle boats. They left Memphis about the same time traveling down the Mississippi River to New Orleans as they traveled side by side. Sailors from one of the vessels made a few wisecracks about the small, the snail's pace of the other boats. Words were exchanged and a drag race began. I, get, I don't know if you call that a drag race began. Well, they challenged each other and the race began and competition became vicious as the two boats roared down through the deep south. One boat began falling behind because it didn't have enough fuel. There had been plenty of coal for the trip, but not enough fuel for a race. As the boat dropped back, one of the enterprising young sailors came up with an idea. Hey, we've got some cargo here. And so they started to throw the cargo into the furnace. It burned as well as the coal did. 
And they kept chugging along and they threw more cargo in there and they ended up winning the race, but they burned up all of their cargo. You know, that's what happens when you have bitter envy and you have jealousy and you have all of that. It destroys so much and you make it, you don't make it to your destination. You know, as I think of the story of Joseph, I'd like to close with a couple applications in the first thing. You know, God can overrule a dysfunctional family. Maybe you don't have a a godly person in all of that mix in your family, but you can choose. Don't blame it on your ancestors like some people do. Well, my mother didn't tuck me in bed at night and my my father never said to me, I love you, or my father and my mother never were kind to me and that's why I've got bad behavior. No, every one of us are responsible for our own choices. Our own decisions are from, and God can overrule any kind of background you have. He can, by his grace, put, pluck you out of that environment and draw you close to himself and make you a man or woman of God. And that's what he did with Joseph. Another application here. Joseph was a favored son. It might not have been the best thing for Jacob to do. But you know, that's a picture of Christ because God the Father spoke and said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. God's favored son, one and only begotten son was Jesus Christ. You know, my friend, Joseph walked with God when he was young. And I challenge you, younger people, couple of you here uh, in that category. <laughs> Walk with God when you're young because God will use you greatly in these things. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I come to you today and pray that, Lord, you would teach us the lesson that God's grace can overrule our terrible environment. As Joseph lived in this dysfunctional family, yet he chose to live for God. I pray that all of your children would make that decision, no no matter who they're married to, no matter who their parents are, they can live for you. And I pray it's in Jesus' name. Amen.